Mr. Rogers is certainly one of the best things that's ever happened to public television, and his Peabody Award is testament to that fact. We in public television are proud of Fred Rogers, and I'm proud to present Mr. Rogers to you now. Fred. All right, Rogers, you got the floor. <laughs> Senator Pastore, this is a philosophical statement and would take about 10 minutes to read, so I'll not do that. Uh, one of the first things that a child learns in a healthy family is trust, and I trust what you have said that you will read this. It's very important to me. I care deeply about children. My first children... Will it make you happy if you read it? I'd just like to talk about it, if all it's right, all right. Sir. Okay. My first children's program was on WQED 15 years ago, and its budget was $30. Now, with the help of the Sears Roebuck Foundation and National Educational Television, as well as all of the affiliated stations, each station pays to show our program. It's a unique kind of funding in educational television. With this help, now our program has a budget of $6,000. It may sound like quite a difference, but $6,000 pays for less than two minutes of cartoons, two minutes of animated what I sometimes say, bombardment. I'm very much concerned, as I know you are, about what's being delivered to our children in this country. And I've worked in the field of child development for six years now, trying to understand the inner needs of children. We deal with such things as, as the inner drama of childhood. We don't have to bop somebody over the head to make him, to, to make drama on the screen. We deal with such things as getting a haircut or the feelings about brothers and sisters and the kind of anger that arises in simple family situations. And we speak to it constructively. How long a program is it? It's a I'm half hour every day. Most channels schedule it in the, in the noontime as well as in the evening. Uh, WETA here has scheduled it in the late afternoon. Could we get a copy of this so that we can see it? Maybe not today, but I'd like to see the program. I'd like very much for you I'd to like see I'd like to see the program itself, or any one of them, you see. We, we made 100 programs for EEN, the Eastern Educational Network, and then when the money ran out, people in Boston and Pittsburgh and Chicago all came to the fore and said, we've got to have more of this neighborhood expression of care. And this is what, this is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only 
make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. Uh, I think that it's much more dramatic that two men could be working out their feelings of anger, much more dramatic than showing something of gunfire. I'm constantly concerned about what our children are seeing. And for 15 years, I have tried in this country and Canada to present what I feel is a meaningful expression of care. Do you I, narrate it? I'm the host, yes. And I do all the puppets, and I write all the music, and I write all the scripts. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. Well, I'm grateful, not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that the children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. I work with children do, doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, stop, stop anytime. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that the feeling is really mine know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday a man. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. <coughs> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 79 of Me Talking. Um, <clears throat> thanks for coming back. Fred Rogers is, without a doubt, one of the most important American people uh, to exist in the 20th century. Um, I don't know if you know anything about his life, but there was a movie that just came out about him. Tom Hanks played... Mr. Rogers, and uh, essentially d showed the story of a journalist who attempted to follow Mr. Rogers around and observe his life in an attempt to uh, show him to be a fraud. He had created a 
whole uh, persona around being essentially the ideal neighbor. He cared about children. He cared about race issues. He befriended, as a white man, he befriended black folks on the show. He um, gave dignity to marginalized folks, to kids with disabilities, to uh, girls, to everyone. And he was saintly in the public eye. And a journalist um, looking for a sensational story thought he could get to know Mr. Rogers and find some dirt. And the result of that attempt was that he, in fact, was as pleasant as his television persona. He really was squeaky clean, loved people around him, family man, cared about um, civil rights and cared about folks with disabilities and spent his entire life trying to show people who are, show everyone, but particularly those whom society has sort of looked past that they have dignity and are deserving of love and respect and uh, spent his entire life doing that. That monologue you heard, well, dialogue, actually, you heard in the beginning of this episode is in 1969, takes place in 1969, when Fred Rogers was before Congress, essentially pleading his case to have... uh, granted to him more money to produce this television show and to get it out to a wider audience. And the uh, I, I heard this on my way to work one day and cried. <laughs> I cried really hard on my way to work because I was so moved by what he said. And that <laughs> brings me... Um, to something I'd like to just share my thoughts about right now as I'm thinking through uh, issues surrounding um, transgendered folks. Uh, This is something that I hope you can hear me say from a position of compassion, um, one of very little certainty, but one that I am thinking through, and although I am open to being, uh, you know, convinced otherwise, I uh, just wanted to share my thoughts on an, an issue regarding a very specific story with someone that I'm in contact with regularly who is struggling with gender identity. And then essentially just relating it back to what I think Mr. Rogers's, Fred Rogers' message to Congress was and how I agree with that message and how I think it could be relevant for trans issues. Um, I had a conversation with someone this week who is struggling with gender identity. Um... In their own words, they would say, some days they feel male, other days they feel female, 
and some days they feel like neither. And this is a source of intense anxiety uh, for this person. And I happen to know about the history of this person. I know about their some of their background, their previous traumas. And one of those traumas is um, having been sexually molested uh, by adult male relatives as a child. And this person has struggled with that, obviously, um, to complicate his situation. Um, Some of these relatives are mentors of his, uh, and so he at the same time holds a measure of respect for things they have done in their life while also having an intense dis, um, intense hatred for what has happened to them. Uh, another part of this person's story is so, a history of self-harm. There's a lot. There's um, a very obvious uh, dislike uh even loathing of their own body uh just based on the way and and the frequency with which they scar themselves another issue for this person is uh just personal hygiene they have anxiety surrounding their body which makes you know getting naked to take a shower difficult so you have someone here with very deep trauma from their childhood uh, who as they grow into adulthood is finding intense displeasure in their body and is therefore looking for ways to escape that body and this is something that I've not really, I've never really had many uh, people in my life who were trans or who were working through what it means to be trans. So uh, while I've thought, you know, about this issue, I'm not, I don't live under a rock. So I know this is something happening in the Western world that is getting more attention. And there are, you know, famously uh, Bruce Jenner transitioning to Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, probably most notably, um, that was a big deal and was, I mean, he won woman of the year, which is a, which is a separate issue. Um, uh, that's a different issue, but, uh, this is the first time I've gotten to sit and talk at length with someone while they go through the, uh, internal struggle of figuring out how they're supposed to feel and what they feel about their bodies. And as I was sitting with this person, uh, what they were saying was, you know, they feel anxiety and become depressed when feeling female because they aren't able to express that openly for fear of social um, consequences. And... um which is, you know, a very common, that's a very common thing for folks in this community. 
the backlash, afraid of the backlash, people in their world who would not approve of this behavior or this lifestyle. Um, and, and I, and I understand that no one wants to be outcast, certainly. And genuine feelings of, of some truly feeling some way, any way, and then knowing that someone would uh, have a prejudice against you for feeling some way that you may not have control over is that would obviously be scary, right? That would that would cause anyone to have anxiety. So in some degree, I understand that. Uh, but as I kept talking to this person, I I was just trying to understand how they were feeling. So I was I was asking questions and. Uh, I also told this person that if if I if they feel that I'm prying or that I am am in some way disrespecting their privacy, to please tell me, and I would happily you know we can change the subject, go do something else. So um, this was a conversation had in private, but it was a conversation that uh, this person was open to exploring with me uh, these issues that they're dealing with and. We got through this thing, you know, this the issue of the social anxiety of I can't be who I want to be because uh, these people around me will not accept me. And a pretty common, that's a pretty common, um, you know, pretty common fear, I would imagine. Uh, it makes sense to me. Uh, but this person born a male um, telling me that there are moments of their life they feel female. And... I was asking, in what way do you feel female? And this person didn't really have an answer for me. Said, uh, I feel feminine. He would kind of just, or they, I would try to honor their, they have asked that their pronouns be they, them, and I want to honor that. Um, so I'm going to try to do that here, even though he, this person will never hear this. Um, they were saying they felt feminine. And I said, and in, in what way? And how can you explain to me a, like what you mean when you wake up and you feel female or you feel feminine more so than you do other days? And uh, they said, well, I just feel like I would like to paint my fingernails or... I would like to be able to speak without feeling like I need to have a deeper voice. And sometimes I feel like I wish I had uh, female anatomy. And I said, okay, um, do you feel that way? You said you don't feel that way all the time. So is this something you would ever consider having a surgery for? And they said... No, because I go back and forth, and when I feel male, I am fine feeling male. It's when I feel female that I have so much anxiety because I know that people won't accept that, and I also know that even when I do feel that way, I'll never fully be how I'm feeling. And so I just need to learn to, you know, 
accept that. And, and we talked about that. But what became evident in his statement there, which I don't know if you've caught on to this as I said that, but what he was verbally telling me uh, prior to this part of our conversation was that the, the reason he has anxiety surrounding his gender is because of the way other people would perceive it. But in his own words just then to me, it was evident that if there was no one around to perceive the way that they are feeling and expressing their gender, they would still have anxiety because they cannot come to grips with the fact that they feel one way and yet their body is another way. And this, to me, began getting my wheels turning in my mind because what was clear was that this person will never find themselves content with who they are because of gender dysmorphia, which is a th- thing. And I cannot help but think that this person's trauma surrounding male mentor relatives abusing his body causing him to detest this sort of maleness that's been projected onto him or uh, displayed to him by male role models in his life. So it makes sense to me that he doesn't feel male in the way that he understands what it means to be male because of how it's been so perverted literally against him. What I, you know, and and I obviously, I was spending, I did not spend any amount of this conversation philosophizing with them because that's not, I mean, I had the wherewithal to know that's not the place for this. This is a different thing. This is a personal uh, exploration that I need to do with myself or with people that I trust who can, you know, help me kind of walk through this. Uh, so I was you know, very focused on them and making sure they understood that I liked them and that I enjoy being around them. And much like the message of that Fred Rogers gave in Congress that I like him just the way that he is. And after our conversation... His or their spirit was lifted a little bit. Just you could, you know, just having the conversation and airing it out. All the things I've talked about before through this podcast of just kind of naming the things that are causing you pain or anxiety really will help. And 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 that's what happened. His mood was lifted. But I went and I kept thinking. And I have people in my life who I don't want to. I'm not going to name them because. I haven't had this conversation with them, <clears throat> although, and I and I wouldn't want to have this get back to them in a way that would be misrepresented uh, uh, from what I actually am intending here. But I know someone personally who is a man who is just simply 
more feminine than other men, especially with regard to men within his own community. Uh, this person is uh, cares deeply about like uh, what, what do you say? Not personal hygiene. That's not really looking very nice. This person has a regimented, um, regularly scheduled trip to the beauty salon for a haircut every few weeks. Um, even speaks in a way and manner that is, I would say, more feminine than masculine. And yet this person is confidently male. Uh, and in fact, he has qualities that are more feminine than even this person I'm talking about in the story um, that feels sometimes female, sometimes male. This person has more feminine qualities than they do. And yet they feel perfectly validated as a male. Although masculinity may mean something else to them than what it might mean to another man or a different community. And this is really the rub for me uh, where I just, I, I'm thinking that encouraging folks to embrace transitioning is a polite, but misguided attempt to do what's right, right? I think people who would encourage uh, people in their life to transition, if that's how they feel best represents who they are in the world, I feel like that comes from a place of love and compassion. But I think what it actually says is that it's okay that you hate your body. And I think that's wrong. I think that's a misstep. And I think it's a misstep because as much as gender is socially constructed, and I I don't necessarily disagree with that um, in the sense of, uh, you know, what constitutes masculinity or maleness and what constitutes femininity and femaleness um, is determined a lot by your community. Right? So I, I, in that respect, I agree. And I also am on board with the idea that the way those are displayed in different communities is wrong or is inappropriate or is... Um, free to be rejected. However, just like this person in my life who has strong feminine qualities but is confidently male, it seems that those that I do know, and I do not know many, who have transitioned are still as unhappy as before they transitioned. And the statistics would bear that out, as a matter of fact. And I think it stems from the 
idea of those you know who have the compassionate voice the voice of love and and tenderness and attempting to be helpful encouraging these transitions what it is doing it is um reinforcing the idea that their body is in fact bad and wrong and i cannot help but think in this person's story that i've been sharing their hatred for their own body must stem from the trauma they've endured. It must. Just the way that their story goes and the way that they are struggling with, you know, the displeasure in their own body, the, the hatred for their own body. When, when, in this case, at least, I could not imagine myself encouraging their transition because I do not think their body is evil. And the fact is, you can have surgery, you can have things reconstructed, but it will not be your own. And therefore, you will never find contentment in your body whether you transition or whether you don't transition. So it seems to me the work with, with these folks is to explore, the, and obviously I'm not a therapist, so I don't. in some respects I don't know what I'm talking about. And again, I'm just trying to think openly through, think out loud of you know this experience I've recently had and, and how I think it might be affecting these folks who find themselves in the trans community. the hatred for their own body is encouraged and that body will never actually be gone. Does that make sense? When you encourage somebody to transition, maybe their genitals, maybe you can have, you know, go from having male genitalia to female, something like a female genitalia, but 95% of the rest of your body remains the same. It's the exact same. And so does it, is all of their hatred for themselves just based in their genitals? And once they get a vagina or they have some sort of a, because I think they can do penis like construction or something like that for women, um, that's now they're happy. Now they find joy in their body because the research would say otherwise. Suicide in the trans community is as high post-surgery as pre-surgery. There's no change. There's no variation. And you can, and the, uh, a lot of people will come back to that stat and say, well, even post-surgery, they're still not accepted in society. They're still not welcome. And that is a source of anxiety, which causes depression, which leads to suicidal ideation, which leads to suicide attempts, which leads to successful suicide. And I'm not discounting that societal pressure is, you know, difficult. 
and there are different things that lead to the terrible um, conclusion of someone committing suicide. Just, just awful. But that doesn't really work statistically because if you look at the most marginalized people in American society since its founding, the most categorically marginalized, systematically marginalized and oppressed, that goes to black people and native people. And the suicide rate in those communities is even lower than the trans community. And so unless you're willing to say the intensity of the social oppression of trans folks is worse than that of African-American folks, then that idea that social pressure leads to suicide even post-surgery doesn't, it can't, it can't be the answer. And much like my friend from this story, their source of anxiety in their words would be the society around them, the source of their anxiety or the people around them. But upon deeper um, reflection, talking with them, it's evident that the source of their anxiety is their own hatred for their body. And what it boils down to is this person or people who have abused them, have raped them, sexually molested them, have taught them, have essentially forced them to hate their own body. And now they're going through this issue of, well, I don't feel male, so therefore I must be feeling female. Because at the end of the day... How can a male know what it's like to feel female if you're not female? You may have an idea of what you might think is female, but imagine a cisgendered, so me, imagine me, a white male, telling a woman, I know how you feel. It would be, it would be crazy. You would think I was a patriarchal, misogynistic, you know, ignorant buffoon to tell you, a female, I know how you feel. And yet, when someone says, I'm feeling that my gender is different, I'm not male, I'm female, then we fully accept that statement as an accurate uh, understanding of what is happening in their lives. And yes, you, if you feel female, then you are female. And while again, I think that comes from a place of love and compassion from most people of just wanting the best for someone, it reinforces the idea that their body is bad. I don't know. I'm curious to know what you think about this, you know, whoever is listening, because this is a conversation, this is something that's happening very close to me on a regular basis, and I just want to know how to, I just want to do what's right by these people who are dealing with this. And I, I once had a real, um, I had, a, I have a close relationship with someone with 
um, certain mental uh, disorders that they are learning to cope with in their life. But prior to knowing that diagnosis, I was offering them advice and suggestions that was not good for them and inevitably led to uh, even more drama and, and anxiety in their life. And they were just trying to take my advice. And that was because I was ignorant and I did not have a freaking clue what the hell I was doing. And that experience has shown me that even with your best intentions at heart, you can still give bad advice. And after this conversation with this, with this person about their issues with their gender, it just, the first thing that came to me was, I know someone who is more feminine than you and confidently male. And I think it's because they don't hate their body the way you do. And I think that you hate your body because of what someone has done to it. And that is a damn shame. And this person just needs to hear someone say, like Mr. Rogers, I like you just the way you are. You're unique and special. And there is no one like you in the whole world. That's the... If that person can learn to love their body in spite of what someone has done to it, to overcome, to and then also to to have those feminine qualities. If you're you're you he may totally be right in rejecting the masculinity that's been kind of projected onto him by these people who have violate him violated him the worst he may be totally right and i i i would think that he is the masculinity that he has seen from these people is not healthy masculinity and he's rejecting that but as he rejects it he's jumping to well then therefore i must be female i must be a woman in my gender and I just, I don't, I think masculinity is much more broad. Maleness is much more broad. It, has, it is welcome, just as fem- femaleness is welcome to more masculine tendency, more masculine tendencies in women. But the important thing is to do the work, the, the trauma work, I think, I think. I'm all I'm on just thinking here of exploring our stories, learning why, helping folks learn why they have such distaste for their own body, and then trying to find way a way through that trauma to learn to love their body to find themselves at home in their body because right now he's a stranger in a strange land in his own body, in their own body, sorry. And telling them to, yeah, the way you feel, the way you, feelings come and go. The way people feel, you sh- making decisions based on feelings is maybe sometimes okay, but for the most part, it's not a good way to to decide things, especially things like this. Feelings are brought about, you can't help the way you feel a lot of times. 
feelings can be dictated by people other than you. So to make decisions based on those feelings, it's just not, just you know, it's just not the way to make a good decision. So, yeah, I'm just I'm. If you're if you are trans and you hear this, or you know someone who's trans and you hear this, please send me a message because I would like to. T- I would really like to talk to you. Um, or you know, just send me your thoughts. I hope I haven't totally. Uh, I'm sure. I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to backstep, but I I hope my intent was was not offensive. Although I know it may be difficult to hear, you know, if you're working through these issues. But I I think I'm standing by this right for right now. I'm I'm open to cha- having my mind changed. But the way I see it, there's room in our gender, in our sex, to be expressed many different ways but transitioning I just I think it's a hatred for your own body and you ultimately will never have a different body so you can transition but you're if you hated your body before you're going to hate your body still and ultimately it just doesn't seem like the best thing to do seems like the easiest thing to do and I know that's sounds crazy because it's not easy is not the right word here I'm sure it's not easy at all for anyone to go through surgery to transition uh, and then having conversations with people in their life about how they're they're now female or they're now male uh, I'm that's not that's not easy at all but working through your story and learning why you hate your body isn't easy either. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. Mr. Rogers is a hero. And although he's not talking about trans issues, and he did not talk about trans issues because it wasn't a thing in his day. It wasn't in the media like it is now. Um, he still instilled dignity and showed love to people in the margins, and that's what I want to do. And uh, I want to make sure I do that for everybody the right way. Not, and I want to be educated on it, and I want to help people flourish. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Another one down. Hope you have a great day.